What is going on, everybody? I hope you're all having a great day today. This is Alex from the Fresh Fantasy Podcast, and this is the 11th episode of the season. And I'm excited to continue on this journey with all of you trying to make myself and you guys better fantasy players. And today, I'll be covering four with a bonus of the 2020 versions of 2019's biggest breakouts. But I know it's been a little bit since I've uploaded, and I'm sorry for that. But to make up for it, I have a very special guest today. He has one of the most popular fantasy football pages on Instagram with almost 16,000 followers on Instagram. He has the smoothest, arguably the best voice in all of fantasy football. He is Faraz from Upperhand Fantasy. What's going on, man? What's up, man? What an intro. The smoothest voice. I love it. I'm going to try to keep my voice extra smooth. <laughs> I know. Just just like the peanut butter. Just get a knife on it and just put it <laughs> Well, thanks for having me, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. So he is at Upperhand Fantasy on Instagram. I am at fresh.fantasy on Instagram. Give us a follow. Leave us a review. You guys already know what to do. And with that, let's jump right into it. So today's episode is all about the 2020 versions of some of the biggest breakouts from last year. And there's a couple examples that I'll give. And we'll go, we'll just jump right in on who we think are going to be this year's, this year's version. So the first one I have is who is this year's Lamar Jackson or Patrick Mahomes? Both were guys in 2018 and 2019, respectively, that were going in the 10th round or later their drafts. Not a lot of people, obviously, because of where they were being picked, thought they were going to have the years they were. So, Faraz, who's your, who's your first guy that's going to be this year's potential biggest breakout QB in the later rounds? So, you know, I, personally, I don't – look, as I look at these QBs, I don't see somebody who, like, stands out of the – you know, stands out. I think – yeah. A lot of people could have looked at last season and said, all right, Lamar Jackson looks like that guy. If it were, if it happens, it's going to happen for him, yeah. right? And a lot of people were on him. This year, it doesn't seem like that's the case. Patrick Mahomes also came out of nowhere, right? Um, and he was a guy that you kind of picked up off of waivers after like week one and week two. Whereas Lamar Jackson was somebody who, you know, didn't even uh, – he, he was drafted in most leagues, right? I think yeah. this season, a guy like uh, Teddy, uh, Teddy Bridgewater kind of le- leaps off the page to me, but he doesn't seem like this amazing talent, right? Same thing with Gardner Minshew, right? That's the other guy that I'm going to talk about right now. So Gardner Minshew, he's not going to be the guy that everyone's like, all right, well, I got to draft in the third, second, third round next year in drafts. But I think where he's going right now, um, yeah. He's in a good system with Jay Gruden. Um, he has a, a, a decent, solid rushing floor, uh, and he has weapons, right? He got he got Chenault in the draft. He has DJ Shark going into his third year. He has D.D. Westbrook. He has a few guys that can make it happen. And with Jay Gruden, he's had success with rushing quarterbacks in the past. Um, he, he And I think Gardner Minshew ran for about 26 yards uh, per game last year. It's not crazy but it's enough to kind of keep his floor relatively high and add to whatever touchdown total that he has. Um, and he's somebody that, you know, paired with Jay Gruden, you know, can do some big things because quarterbacks in the past have done well with Gruden when they had some weapons. Um, you know, he's, he's, so he, he's that guy right now. Is his upside through the roof? No. So when I look at guys who are upside through the roof, I might think about Tua or I might think about a guy, Joe Burrow, right. Uh, you know, who's in this amazing system. Whereas the system can kind of propel him to become somebody that you look at in the third or fourth round next year. So I just named like five quarterbacks and you wanted only one, but uh, that, that is, that's kind of who I got. <laughs> yeah, no, no worries at all. It's funny that you named five guys and, and maybe I'm, I'm completely off here because I have a different guy. 
Uh, my guy's also a second year, and the more I read about him, the more I'm starting to really like him, even though he's one of the most awkward um, players out there, if you've seen the interviews. That's Daniel Jones. So Daniel Jones was actually the fifth best QB in fantasy over the last or the second half over the second half of last season. I mean, he showed he had massive upside because he had four games with 28 or more fantasy points, which you're like, oh my goodness, all the inconsistency. But that was his first year. You know, there's potential this year, and he was able to do that with Saquon Barkley, Sterling Shepard, Golden Tate, Darius Slayton, and Evan Ingram playing zero snaps together. All those guys were in a carousel of being out. They all just took turns to take a few games on the bench. And that's a deep group of offensive playmakers, plus no mobility, like you said with Minshew. Jones averaged more than 21 rush yards per game in 2019. That's a defense that did not really get much better, so they're going to have to throw the ball. And I think with all those weapons around him, plus the rushing ability. And also they short up the offensive line a little bit, adding first round, the first round guy, uh, Andrew Thomas to hopefully seal up the left side. Yes. They lost Nate soldier and he opted out of the season. He wasn't great last year, but he was still a, a stalwart at left tackle for years for the Patriots. But I think with what Jones has with his rushing ability, and then what he also presents is a passing ability with all those weapons going into his second year. I think that he could actually end up in a, as a really good, really good guy this year but the one thing I want to emphasize is he's not really a guy that you're going to want to draft because he is a brutal first three weeks of the season um, he plays I think it's Chicago Pittsburgh and San Francisco and then after that he has an easy schedule so around after week three he's a guy I would look to pick up because with all those playmakers he has a lot of opportunity to really potentially break out this year and I think he could be a guy that after those first three weeks could be a top five quarterback the rest of the way not a guy i'm saying it's going to but the potential i love that i think that's a great call because you mentioned a lot of the the things you want to look for like the rushing floor right he has that ability he's deadly accurate too with the football um he made a lot of mistakes his rookie year but i mean that was his rookie year um so when you when you consider the upside that he presents and the upside that he showed in a bunch of games last year um i think that's spot on i think that's a great call Appreciate it. And I, the last thing I think that I didn't even mention is that he was putting up these big numbers with Darius Slayton at his best as his best weapon. And Darius Slayton could be like his fifth best weapon this year if all the other guys produce. So he's someone that, again, after week three, take a flyer on him if you don't have a solid backup QB or if you need someone to stream and, and ride him. You know, we'll see what happens. So who is your going into the next one is running back. Who is your 2020 version of Dalvin Cook, a guy that hasn't been in the top five before, but maybe he's produced, hasn't produced, but a guy that you are going to think is going to make that leap into an elite fantasy pick this year that's going to win you some leagues. So uh, it's Miles Sanders. That, that's the guy that I have all the chips <laughs> on this season. Yeah. Um, he's just somebody who I feel like has it all coming together this season. Um, now, you, you know, when you consider Doug Peterson and his past and you, you say like, OK, well, this guy hasn't been using workhorse running backs, but he hasn't had that type of back. Yep. Right. He's had LeGarrette Blunt. He's had Jay Ajayi. Uh, he's had Ryan Matthews. He's had guys like that. Right. And these guys aren't workhorse type of backs. Right. Miles Sanders at Penn State, he was that type of guy. Right. And now after Jordan Howard uh, got hurt last year, Miles Sanders was able to fully take advantage of that situation. He played 75% of snaps during those last seven games without Jordan Howard. Um, and he was averaging almost 20 touches per game. He had 50 receptions as a rookie too. So uh, he's somebody that 
is going into this year with Doug Peterson saying that he's the guy. His running back coach uh, and assistant head coach basically said that, like, we're not limiting his touches at all. His, I think his exact quote was, I don't think we just want to give him 15 carries and five catches and just call it a day and not want to give him any more touches. I mean, 15 carries and five, t- five catches is great. And that's not the limit they want to put on him. Like that's right. less legit. And and maybe they're not going to. He's not going to get more than twenty touches per game. But that's kind of the stuff you want to hear, regardless, right? Um, his offensive line is decent. A couple of injuries, you know, on the line, uh, not great, but it, they're going to be fine. Um, their offense is going to be better this year with more weapons. Hopefully, staying healthy. Um, and not only that, like the dude is actually really good. He's really good in the passing game. Um, he's going to catch balls on early down. He's going to catch balls uh, on in, on passing downs. Um, and the majority of the 50 balls that he caught was during those last seven weeks. So if you put a whole season together, I did the projections uh, for next season, and I kind of went through something called weighted opportunity where you kind of weigh targets as more valuable than carries. And if you look at over the past 10 years, um, targets are about you know 2.7-something times worth a single carry and when you look at what miles sanders is projected you know according to my projections what he's going to do is he's going to basically be the fifth or sixth best um he's gonna have the fifth or sixth best workload when it comes to that weighted opportunity um so i'm all in on Miles sanders he's going to be an every down back next year um and with the talent that he provides like i think he could just leap into the top five pretty easily yeah no it's funny you say that because miles sanders is actually my pick and you (laughs) You nailed almost everything I was gonna I was uh, gonna say, but I mean, let me just give you the numbers, the the straight up numbers I had yep. in front of me. So last year, after Jordan Howard went down from weeks eleven to sixteen, he was the running back six in half PPR on a seventy seven point five percent snap share, and he was averaging eighteen point eight fantasy points per game. And like you said, the biggest concern was Doug Peterson and who he's had in the past. But not only did the coach say that he doesn't want to limit him to fifteen carries and five receptions. He said that you put him in and you let him go. And Doug Peterson said last week, like, he is our guy for this season. And when a coach says that, I think that's huge. And not only that, Carson Wentz is now two years removed from his ACL. People said that, all right, the first year after the ACL, they're not fully there. But Carson Wentz is my my favorite late-round QB, too. So I'm very – I hate the Eagles as a Patriots fan, them beating us in the Super Bowl. But (laughs) I'm all in on the Eagles in fantasy this year. I think that they're going to be awesome. And I think adding – Deshaun Jackson, hopefully for the full season, and having Jalen Rager, who are both speedsters, they're just going to open the field up more for Sanders. And everything that I've been reading, even after the Eagles lost Brandon Brooks, who's their best offensive lineman, every single thing I've read has said that they're supposed to be a top 10 offensive line still. And Brandon Brooks is really progressing in his recovery from what they're saying. He's not going to be back week one, but they said later in the season they could get back their best offensive lineman, which again, maybe in the fantasy playoffs, he could help he could help lift Miles Sanders to a championship. And beyond that, the last thing I want to say is that there was a Instagram video that you can find out there that Miles Sanders was saying he's training for an MVP year. I mean, yes, every single player every year is going to be like, oh, I'm going to have my best season. But this guy's coming into a second year along with every single thing we talked about. Just like you, he is my guy for this year. I want him in every league I can. And I, I really hope that he, uh, he comes through. Yeah, man. Uh, I think that, you know, it's unfortunate that, like, he had to get hurt. Yeah. Right? It doesn't seem like it's too serious. I think he'll be all right. I think they're just trying to, like, just, just save him for the season, basically. 
I agree. Yeah, for sure. No, I think that I'm not too worried about it. I mean, they said that he, he seemed fine. And there was another tweet that said that he was like dancing on the sidelines after the, after he got hurt or something. I mean, I'm sure they're just trying to preserve him. And again, the thing that you want to probably think about is again, it's been three or four days since the injury and they haven't added anyone. And I think yeah. if they were concerned, they would have found someone else out there that's waiting and signed him right away. Right. Like Devonte Freeman, something like, someone like that. Exactly. So if they don't sign him, that means beyond them just giving him the full workload, that's how much confidence they have and how not serious that injury was. Because if it was concerning at all, they'd have to add someone else. Yes. So, yeah, I totally agree. So here's, here's my favorite because this is the guy that if I, if I had my own fantasy page last year, I was all over this guy. I probably would have got down on one knee and gave him a ring. <laughs> Chris Godwin. So who is your 2020 version of Chris Godwin? I have a feeling we might have the same guy because I'm, I might not be ready to get down on one knee like I was last year, but I mean, I think this guy could be just as good and uh, yeah, I, I love him, but who right. well, um, I'm going to guess that your guys, Calvin Ridley. That's my yeah. guy. Yeah, <laughs> it is right. Um, so I'm not going to go Calvin Ridley. I'll go someone else. I'm going to go uh, Terry McLaurin. Oh, I like it. Now, Terry McLaurin, you know, as a rookie, obviously, you know, he did his thing, right? He was a number one wide receiver there. And that's go that's continuing going into this year. Now, Dwayne Hoskins is looking pretty good in camp uh, by all accounts. He lost a ton of weight. He's looking good. Um, and he did a ton of work over the offseason. And now Terry McLaurin is still his de facto number one wide receiver. Who do they have behind him as a pass catcher? Literally nobody. I mean, he got a little bit of a rapport with his tight end because, out of, I guess, out of necessity – right, in camp. Um, but McLaurin is one of those dudes that, you know, he put up some ridiculous numbers last year. And, and when you look at uh, pro football focus, you know, these guys look at every single snap of every player, right? And when they do that, you know, they give them grades and all that. And you have to understand that the you have to understand the guys that he was ranked with. He ranked top five in PFF's highest wide receiver grades of 2019 with a minimum of 90 targets, and he was number five. Yep. The top four, Michael Thomas, Chris Godwin, Julio Jones, DeAndre Hopkins, and then Terry McLaurin. Um, he ranked 11th in yards per route run among all, wide, among all wide receivers with 90 targets, not just rookies, right? It's like all NFL wide receivers. Um, and he did it with a really crappy quarterback situation, right? I mean, like, you know, it was not an ideal quarterback situation. And he's like, and that's why nobody was really looking at him in drafts. Um, nobody wanted a piece of this Washington offense. But even though the Washington offense was so bad, Terry McLaurin was a, a perfectly fine fantasy option last year. Um, he caught five touchdowns in his first five games as an NFL wide receiver. He averaged 81 yards uh, per game during that span. Um, and then when when Dwayne Haskins came, uh, took over, right? Like McLaurin, he didn't he wasn't great, uh, and he didn't see a ton of downfield passes. But in the last three games with Dwayne Haskins, he was averaging 91 yards um, and 0 0.7 touchdowns, so almost a touchdown per game. Um, so you know, since he is that guy going into, into 2020, they didn't add anybody of significance in the passing game. Um, I just I think that there's a lot that can happen with this passing offense. Not, not, and then you consider Scott Turner coming over from Carolina, right? They had DJ Moore running good easy routes that the quarter their crappy quarterbacks can get get him the ball, and they're going to do something similar 
you know, with, with Terry McLaurin this year, where maybe he won't be down, targeted downfield as often, even though that's one of his specialties. But I think they're going to let him, you know, run a lot of easier routes as far as the quarterback finding him, you know, in, in open space and that sort of thing. So um, I, I have a lot of confidence in, in Scott Turner. You know, he was, if you look at Josh Gordon's best year, well, his only great year, Scott Turner was his wide receiver coach. You know, so um, he's somebody that, you know, being around McLaurin is only going to help him. So I'm looking at him as having like a ridiculous breakout going into his second year. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. And the one thing I want to add to that is um, for, for those of you who don't know, and this is I, I preach this almost every episode. I find a way to talk about it. But reception, Matt Harmon's reception perception, um, he graded out Terry McLaurin and he's been doing this for six years. And Terry McLaurin had the third best rookie season ever yes. in terms of beating man and press coverage behind only Odell Beckham and Tyreek Hill. And those guys were amazing in their second years in the league. Right. And I think not only that, but like he has no competition for targets. Like you said, the quarterback play should improve. And one of the other things I was reading the other day is that last year, the Redskins, um, they passed, they were 27th in the NFL in passing in neutral situations, whereas the Panthers were third. With Scott, wow. with Scott Turner. So that just, just that alone means they want to throw the ball even more. And that's, they, like, and that's the Panthers throwing third with Christian McCaffrey in the backfield. Right. They're the best running back in the NFL, arguably. And, I mean, he can catch passes, obviously, but that's still passing at a super high rate. And I think that that's – Especially really considering the quarterbacks that they had. Yes, exactly, exactly. So, yeah, I, I love McLaurin this year, and he's one of my, my favorite breakouts. And like I said, if you haven't heard of Reception Perception, find a way to get it because it is one of the best tools out there for uh, finding wide receivers. Yep, and you can find that through the Fantasy Footballers. Yep. It's, it's, it's in their, in, in their draft. In yep. Draft yep, exactly. So my guy, who's also a Reception Perception favorite, um, is Calvin Ridley. I mean, again, a lot of people listening to this know Calvin Ridley's name, and hopefully you guys all think he's going to break out. But let me give you some numbers if you're not convinced. So last year, after Mohamed Sanu was traded, over a 16-game pace, Calvin Ridley was on pace for 131 targets, 91 receptions, 1,315 yards, and eight touchdowns, which would have been the wide receiver four on the year. And he finished, Calvin Ridley finished as the wide receiver 20 his rookie year, in points per game, he, and he was wide receiver 16 in points per game last year, even though he's being drafted as the wide receiver 18 and half PPR going into his third year. So they're drafting him before, I mean, sorry, later than he fit, was fit on pace for last year, heading into his third year. Not only that, but the Atlanta Falcons lead the NFL in vacated targets with 258 last year. That's 258 targets leaving their offense that opens up more for, for Ridley. And that's, also with, I mean, yes, Hayden Hurst is coming in and Todd Gurley's coming in, but 258 targets is a lot of new targets to go around. And I think that could also be be big for Ridley. And also, like, how about this? How about you get a quote from the quarterback, Matt Ryan? I Matt Ryan said that he's a guy that I think could explode in going into a year like this. And I think his mastery of our system is so much further along than it was last year. If that doesn't give you confidence, I don't know what does. And I think that Ridley is just, I mean, he has everything, everything going for him this year. Um, and the last stat I want to give is reception perception. Like I said, there's only been three players in the history of reception perception 
to post an above 85th percentile in beating man and press coverage, not to have a, a 1,000-yard season. Those three players are Calvin Ridley. Let me guess, Devontae Adams? Devontae Adams, he's had an 1,000-yard season. Oh, he has, right? Yeah. He, he has. hasn't had two 1,000-yard seasons. Two. Like that, yeah. And that he would definitely be on that list. Right. The other two guys are Sterling Shepard and Curtis Samuel. Ah. And Shepard's been on pace for it twice. Yeah, he has, yeah. That's why he's such a great value this year, too, by the way. Exactly. And if and Curtis Samuel, I think, is a guy that I really like breaking out this year. And he had – I mean, there's a lot of numbers. We don't need to talk about him on this sure. podcast. But a lot of things that didn't go in his favor. And even so, they would – Calvin Ridley and Curtis Samuel would be the only two guys ever to do this. 15% of the NFL gets above this rate. And they are like the only two to not do it. So why not believe in him just based off of that? So that's why I love Calvin Ridley this year. What do you think of that? Yeah, no, I think it's great. Uh, I, I, I'm not a hundred percent bought in that he's going to fully, fully break out um, because uh, because I, I dove into like his splits right after uh, Mohamed Sanu got out. But yeah. depending on where you can draft him, like where he's being drafted right now, isn't. You know, you're not paying top dollar for Calvin Ridley, right? You're being able to draft him like at the end of the third round, you know, middle of fourth round, where you know his price is perfectly fine, and he's going to return value. Uh, it's really, it's really about you know the upside that you're that you're tra- that you're trying to chase when you're when you're choosing someone like Calvin Ridley. Um, so yeah, I, I like him. I think he's going to definitely break 1,000 yards this year. I think it's definitely going to happen. It's just a matter of how high that upside is going to be. Yeah, I agree. So the last uh, second, sorry, second to last one before the bonus is our tight end. Who is this year's Mark Andrews slash Darren Waller, a guy that you think could go into the top five tight ends that is not being drafted near one right now? Um, I think the guy that I've been drafting a lot is Mike Gesicki. Um, and his price went up a little bit lately. Um, but he's a guy that I like this year because a lot of the, a lot of the pieces are kind of coming together for him each year. What I like to see in a lot of these breakout tight ends is whether they've had, you know, uh, multiple seasons kind of leading up to a certain season for them to break out. Now, it happens. Like, look at Mark Andrews, right? His season kind of came out of nowhere a little bit, right? He just, it's not like he was getting a ton of tar- volume, um, you know, last year. Uh, but, you know, there is a situation, like, look at Austin Hooper last year where, like, he was kind of building up to that third season. Or, well, in his case, fourth season all those years with Matt Ryan. Um, and now you have Mike Gesicki, you know, set, you know, every year that he's going to his third year, he's he's gotten better, right? And now you got Chan Gailey coming in, you know, who has some experience using uh, tight ends in the slot and him hyper-targeting that slot tight end. Um, and then you have a couple of their slot wide receivers opt out this year. And that's only going to help him even more, kind of, you know, kind of almost guarantee some sort of target share. Um, now, Preston Williams, Devontae Parker, they're going to get theirs, right? But outside of them, there isn't any any pass catcher who is kind of guaranteed targets. So I think this is going to be a top-heavy uh, pass distribution, um, no matter who the quarterback is going to be, whether it's Fitzpatrick or Tua. Um, but it's one of those situations where you have multiple tight ends in Chan Gilly's offense in the past, not inline guys, but slot guys, you know, have a lot of success. Um, and then when you look at uh, what he did last year, he was one of the best slot tight ends um, in the NFL as far as uh, routes run, as far as targets, as far as touchdowns. 
Um, I think he was only third in end zone targets, um, only behind a couple. I think it was only behind, I think, Mark Andrews and maybe Jared. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. So, uh, yeah, no, I think he's he's walking into a great situation. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the other guy that I hope I'm not stealing your shine here. No. The other guy that is, is kind of like becoming that guy for me too, and I'm, and I'm starting to pick two guys towards the end of my draft, is him and Chris Herndon. Oh, yes. Yes, yes, yes. That's all. Yeah. Is that the guy you were going to say or no? No. I, okay, good, good. I'm glad. I'm glad I didn't pick the same yeah. guy. But, yeah, he's like, he's like one of those guys where I'm just like, all right, well, he can lead his team in targets, yeah. right? And, you know, a lot of us were on him last year. I was on him last year. He had an amazing rookie season, you know, really went under the radar. But not too many tight ends have had rookie seasons like he's had. Um, and he has a great rapport with Sam Darnold over the past three years. You look at what he did last preseason, he was ready to break out, right? But he had suspended. He got the hamstring injury, the rib issue last year. It's just one of those situations that, you know, it was just kind of a lost year. But going into this year, he's looking like a standout in camp. And uh, these are two guys that I'm aiming for towards the end of my draft because, you know, you're not guaranteed to hit on these guys, right, just because you like them, right? Um, so for me, I'm just kind of increasing my chances for me to hit. And I'm, I'm just aiming for upside at this point. Yeah, no, I totally agree. So, I mean, two things. So, one, um, I actually did a post about Chris Herndon, a big one on why he could actually be this year's Darren Waller on my mm -hmm. fantasy page at Fresh.Fantasy. I need to pump myself up again. Of course. But, uh, the, actually, the guy I was going to name, but I'll name another guy, is Mike Gusecki. Um, I'll, I'll give another guy in a second. But let me just give you a couple numbers I have with Mike Gusecki that makes – that I also believe that after Hayden Hurst, who's going a little too high to give him for this number, for this uh, mm -hmm. breakout pod spot, uh, I like Gusecki because last year from week 6 to 17, he was the tight end 10 in fantasy football. And during that time, he had five top 10 finishes as well as four top five finishes. But one of the things you want to look for in these tight ends is athleticism. You don't want to be looking at a guy like Tyler Higby that moves like a 18-wheeler out there. <laughs> like you want a guy that's super athletic. So Mike Gusecki in the combine – was in the 95th percentile in speed score, 99th in burst, 99th in agility, and 100th in catch radius. He was 7th among targets in tight ends, and there's 177 vacated targets leaving that offense going into this year. He also had 10 end zone targets last year, which was 3rd in the NFL behind Jared Cook and Mark Andrews, who each had 11. And he, was a, he lined up in the slot 66% of the time, and a traditional tight end only 23% of the time. And of all players who played 200, sorry, 20, sorry, 200 snaps in the slot, Gasecki ranked 11th in completion percentage, 17th in receiving yards, and fourth in touchdowns. And those receiving those totals might not sound like a lot, but that's being stacked up against wide receivers. And a guy that could put up wide receiver numbers at the tight end position, like George Kittle or Travis Kelsey do, that's something I really want to target this year. So let me just give you one more name real quick. I'll, I won't. I don't want to spend too much time on tight ends. That I would also say that I'm also targeting that's super athletic is Johnu Smith. Um, he's going into his third year as well. He was a tight end 13 last year without Delaney Walker. He was second among all tight ends last year in yards after the catch behind George Kittle, and he led all non-running backs in broken tackles per touch. There was 97 vacated targets in that offense. He had an 80% or higher snap share in total after their bye week last year. 
He was 88th in speed score, 94th in burst, 82nd percent. These are all percentiles in catch radius. So I think he's another guy that's super athletic. And especially in that offense, they could both be the number two options. And I think that's that's huge for fantasy. And that's why I like them. And these guys are going outside of the top 10 tight ends. These are literally the guys that you want to aim for, you know, yeah. at the end, right? And like, and and that, that's what you got to do. You got to aim for these guys, hope that you hit, you know, take two guys, take three if you have to. I mean, it depends on how deep your bench is and how much, you know, how much room you have to kind of shoot for upside. Because, you know, if you can grab one or two of these guys and they hit, like you, you're sitting pretty, man. If you can get a top top five tight end, you have trade bait or you have, you know, a guy that you can have in your bench or your slot, or your, your flex or whatever. Um, you just got to shoot for the upside here. And I agree with you and John Smith. I think he's he's that other guy in that last, you know, few rounds where you, you definitely want to target as well. Yeah. No, I, again, like I said, that's, that's totally agree. And I, I think that this year, more than ever, you want to be able to target these late round guys because there's a lot of athletic guys with the lead upside that I like even more than some of these guys going in the mid rounds. And the last thing I want to mention is like these mid round guys are going in around like the sixth, seventh or eighth rounds. And these are rounds when you could target guys like DK Metcalf or Tyler Boyd, Marquise Brown, and Ronald Jones. Right. All these huge names that could lead you to a title. And these are their tight ends waiting for you at the end of your draft saying, pick me up and I will lead you to a title. Yep. And I think you need to try to target one of these guys in every part of your any, – any draft you do where you don't get one of those top three tight ends like Kittle, Kelsey, and Andrews. Agreed. So – all right, lastly, let's do let's do a little bonus one if you got time for it. Sounds good, man. Yeah. So who is this year's Michael Thomas? Not saying, okay, this is you you have to take a top four t- wide receiver that's gonna end up as number one. No. Who is your dark horse candidate to be the overall wide receiver one this year and why? Uh I'm gonna go Odell Beckham Jr. Ooh. And I, I and the reason why I say that is because the dude has uh he had such an injury played year last year. Um, and it got to a point where, you know, he, he had a groin injury, right? He had to get surgery. He had to get surgery. Tommy John, sur- oh, no, I'm sorry, not Tommy John surgery, uh, but sports hernia surgery in the off season. Um, but he still put up a thousand yard season, right? Like how do you have a groin injury, right? And still put up that type of, that type of production. Um, and on top of that, you were playing with the, you know, you had bad quarterback play on top of that. And the offense, off, the offense in general was just a hot mess. Um, now going into this year, right, he's somebody who is amazingly, like it seems like he's all back to shape, right? Like he had the surgery and now he's kind of just focusing on himself and his body moving together. Now coming, now Kevin Stefanski coming in, it doesn't scream volume for his wide receivers. But it does scream efficiency, right? And I think Baker Mayfield can improve because of that. And then, and then this offense will be more in tune to kind of deep pass to that wide receiver one on the outside on those play actions and more efficient throws. And and OBJ is a guy that like if you throw him the ball, you know more most likely if he's healthy, he's going to make plays, right? And I think that even if he gets a hundred. 40 targets, which is not an uber crazy amount of targets. Obviously, Michael Thomas had like almost 200 targets last year, but um, you know, it's not an uber, uber ridiculous amount of targets. But at the same time, I think he's somebody who could still finish, you know, 13, 1400 yards, but then end up with like 12 touchdowns right on top of that. So he's somebody who has wide receiver one talent going in, you know, later rounds. 
you can potentially get OBJ in the fourth round of drafts, and he he has like top five upside, or if not overall wide receiver one upside. Um, now the wide receiver one doesn't always have the most number of targets every single year, uh, but sometimes you have to. It, sometimes it's because of efficiency, and he's somebody that that I think that can potentially get there. But you know, uh, obviously that's not the most like I think. You know, when you run projections and stuff like that, like OBJ is not going to get up there, right? Because the raw targets won't be there and that sort of thing. But he's just one of those guys that, you know, you, the reason why I talk about him is he's somebody that can kind of reach that um, that pinnacle again, you know, before he kind of declines because of age. Yeah, no, and I like that. And I think one of the important things that, like, you also want to target, especially for a dark horse, is a guy that's done it before. I mean, he's a guy that was being drafted in the top 10 for a couple of years before these injuries have kind of plagued him. So, I mean, I'll, I'll be honest, man. I, Faraz, I mean, I, I'm off the OBJ train this year. Um, I've been a fan of him in the past, but he's just someone that, because of the risk, I'm, I've been avoiding him. But I think as a dark horse wide receiver one, he's a good name for that because he's a guy that can absolutely do it where some of these other guys I don't think can do it. So I, I, I like that. That, that pick he's someone i'm not going to draft but as a wide receiver one dark horse i i could see that for sure yep. so my guy is a guy that i'm i'm also in love with maybe not as much as calvin ridley but i'd probably draft him before um that's dj moore um dj moore last year was the wide receiver 13 with kyle allen and will will greer as his quarterback for the whole year and half ppr points per game and i think teddy bridgewater is a huge up huge upgrade over Kyle Allen. He's averaged 6.9 yards per attempt in his career, which favors DJ Moore, who mostly runs like short or intermediate layup routes, like you mentioned earlier. And Moore last year was top 10 in the NFL in targets per game. And he had eight plus targets in 11 out of 15 games last year. He has the second best schedule for wide receivers this year, according to fantasy pros. And Moore had the most missed tackles forced amongst wideouts since he came into the NFL in 2018. He was also top 10 in the NFL in receiving yards last year, even though he basically missed the last two games. And the Panthers were seventh in the NFL with vacated targets with 155 leaving that offense. Also, this is my favorite DJ Moore stat that I actually found. Why, even if he's not going to be that wide receiver one guy that you want, but I think he's as safe as anyone you can draft this year. Yes, I'm saying that as safe as anyone because of the stat. So in PPR leagues last year, DJ Moore had the highest percentage of wide receiver or two wide receiver two or better games last year. That's being a top 20 or 24 wide receiver with 60% of that, according to fantasy pros. That's over everyone. That includes Michael Thomas, Devontae Adams, all these great guys. He had the highest percentage. So not only do you get that consistency, you're also going to get the super high upside of him going into his third year. He gets a quarterback upgrade. He get a target upgrade. I mean, everything is there. And not only that, he only had four touchdowns last year. So with all those targets and the receiving yards and everything like that, there's opportunity for more touchdowns. I think there is everything that is pointing to him being even better last year. He's as safe as you can get, and I think he's a dark horse to be the wide receiver one with a bad defense that's going to force them to throw the ball a lot. What do you think about that? Yeah, I think they're going to be fast-paced. Uh, you know, Joe Brady coming in, you know, they're going to be a pass-heavy offense. So I, I love it. I think DJ Moore is very safe, as you said. Um, and I do think he does have that top-five potential. So I think you're spot on. Yeah, no, I, I appreciate that. No, it's, that's I totally agree. So um, 
with that, those are our five, each of our five biggest breakouts. I think we, we agreed on really everyone. I mean, maybe we didn't have the same exact picks, which is a good thing. In yeah. But I think we, for the most part, agreed with each other's picks. And I think for people that have fancy pages that hopefully know half of what they're talking about, you <laughs> might be on to something, you know? Oh, 100%, man. Yeah, I think I think all your points were great. I think I think, I think think bringing up all these guys and having all these points, you know, to support that, I think you brought up all valid points. And these are all points that point – I'm sorry, I, I'm, I'm repeating myself. But these are all things that point to future fantasy success. Exactly. Right? Yeah, we can talk about, like, what they did last year and all that kind of stuff, but it's indicative of future fantasy success, right? That's kind of what we want to focus on. And that's what you did. So all of the guys that you mentioned, I think – um, have a great chance to, to to break out next year. Appreciate that, but more more than appreciating that, I appreciate you coming on the podcast, man. I think you are fantastic. I think everyone listening is going to love you. For those that don't know you, and everyone should know you. Like I said, that voice the whole time, smoothest <laughs> butter. You were fantastic. So before you go, is there anything that you want to plug or anything you want to working on? I mean, anything you got. Not really, man. Not really. Um, you know, just uh, I would I would just ask anybody who's supporting this just to keep supporting you because from from what I what I what I can see and just talking to you and have this is the first time that we're actually kind of really interacting like this. Yeah. I think you're doing a great job, dude. I think all the stuff you brought up, like you're gonna end up leading people to championships. <laughs> I'm not even like I'm not just saying that because you're in front of me right now. Yeah. <laughs> I'm saying that because like I honestly think that all the stuff you brought up about all of these players you, you're putting the time and you're putting the work in and you, you're not coming up with bs stats like these are actual this is actual good stuff that's going to like identify players going into every single year and if you continue to do this there are going to be a lot of happy people following you on this <laughs> and, and listen to your podcast <laughs> yeah for sure no I, I appreciate the love man i mean you know firsthand i mean it's, it's a grind and i'm i'm new to here but like you said if you put in the grind you put in the time and the thing i like about the fantasy community already like you said is people are nice and i think again anyone that's listening to this reach out to me or even reach out to faraz i mean we're i think happy to answer questions and whatever sure. we can help with because i think at the end of the day we want you guys to win we want you guys to win championships, win money, or win bragging rights. You know, right? You gotta, you gotta stick it to to grandma and tell her that you you beat her in the championship <laughs> because you listened to me about Calvin Ridley or you listened to him about Odell Beckham and whatever it is. You know. <laughs> so again, before we go, follow at Upperhand Fantasy. I mean, he's a great guy. I've heard nothing but good things about him, even though this is my first time officially meeting him. So follow him, and if you're still listening, please leave me a review. Follow him at Upper Hand Fantasy or me at Fresh Stop Fantasy on Instagram. And we appreciate the love and thank you for all for listening. And I hope you all have a great rest of your day.